everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. Today, we're talking about Season 19, Top Chef Houston, Episode 10, titled Dinner in Zero G, a promise that goes completely unfulfilled in this episode. Um, I am it's a goal. Uh, your host. It's a statement of purpose. You know? Yeah, yeah. This is a, yeah. By 2040. They're um, making a meal that's fitting of dinner in zero G. <laughs> yes. Dinner in ostensible zero G. Well, we did actually, did we did and, see somebody sorry, eat something. We're sure that's pronounced zero G, not Zerog, because I've been saying that in my head oh, this whole time. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. They were in the build, the Zerog building, um, which is a, <laughs> a bad copy of the Xerox. Xerox. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Xerox is already taken. They were the lowest bidder. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a contractor. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Alex, your host. I'm in Hollywood, California with Megan. Hey there. Hello. Also joining us in Northern California are Ezra and Sarah. Good morning. Hello. Great to see you guys in Brooklyn, New York. It is Chris. Hey, hey. And rounding out the panel in lovely Burbank, California, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Hey, guys. Rock and roll. <laughs> hey. Hi. <laughs> um, so I'm ve- I was very excited to see uh, everybody doing a space challenge again, especially if you're as a Houston thing. That's a really cool thing to be doing. It's very exciting. Um, my main, uh, my one main issue was when they were like, we're going to go to Mars, which they're, we don't, we're not re- like, no, that's not a real, we, we need to get food ready to go to Mars. Even NASA is like maybe 2044 if we're lucky, like, no, I mean, they really are studying how to go to Mars yeah. actively. Yes. We need food to give people in a tent on a remote Island in Hawaii who are pretending they're on Mars. That's yeah. important. I mean, that's that's how you test it. That, that our, what was his name again? We were like texted him. James. For, James. We texted him for a long time trying to get a good time uh, oh, to, yeah. to see the stars. Your stargazer yeah, friend. stargazer. But yeah, no, I mean, like that's, you know, you got to give James some good food. It's important. Yeah, they all deserve to eat. No doubt. I just, I do think it's like, it's a little silly. Well, it's interesting because as you guys may remember, they did a challenge very similar to this back in season seven when they were in DC where they did a meal that was to inspire a dish to go to space. But that was like in 2010 when they were about to do the last ever shuttle launch and they were like, this food will actually go on a shuttle now. Mm. And then this one was like, you know, NASA's going to, we're going to think about it. We really appreciate your input. We'll be sure to pass it along. This is a lot vaguer about where the, how often this was going to get to space. Well, yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to this in the elimination, but I'm not so sure the winning dish is going on any spaceships. Nope. It is not. It is not. <laughs> no, it is no, not. No, no, no. All right. <laughs> uh, before we get to that, though, let's talk about the um, let's talk about the quick fire this week. The six remaining chefs head to Houston's famous farmers market, an absolutely massive market full of the best Latin American ingredients you can find anywhere in america and what better use for those ingredients than everybody's favorite tex-mex dish designed to hide the cheapness of its beef with the attention grabbing of its noise it's fajita day (laughs) oh Oh. i love the category of loud dishes like it's this it's like sizzling rice soup um what else is like pop rocks yeah sure (laughs) pop rocks i mean fajitas are all the senses fajitas are like one of the dishes like probably the most like look at me dish in a restaurant certain. in oh, America. Certain, definitely. Look, but don't touch. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. You're I also very Bernie. love fajitas. In fact, so much so that I was eating fajitas coincidentally while we watched this episode. We were absolutely <laughs> oh. time. I mean, they're yeah. great. They're great. Yeah, this is not to impugn the fact that if you put 
tasty food, well spiced in a tortilla, that you're gonna like it. Well, it's also oh, just also, a show of getting like it's the it's where you go when you're going to a restaurant in a small to medium sized town where you get the sizzling fajitas. You also get the little plastic pod full of tortillas oh, yeah. that have been steamed. Oh, like, yeah. you're yeah. getting a show. And then I get a experience. separate plate it's with not- a little bit of shredded iceberg on it mm-hmm. and some sour cream. I like any plate that comes with a warning not to touch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's a Don't lot touch. Of, huh? Huh? It's, an exper- <laughs> it's experiential. It is. No, it really is. And, a, like the, and the design of it to be like, we just throw a little extra water in this hot pan before we bring it to you so that everyone in the restaurant turns their head and then orders that. It's great. I mean, yeah. it's really yeah. clever. It's a, it's a good time all around. I, I I also like getting a little bit of like food to assemble at a restaurant. I don't know oh, why. Yeah, like, a, a, the a last table little... table on presentation. <laughs> yeah, it's an well, activity that I'm responsible for. It's like yeah. I have to do the last mile of these peppers, but I'll do it. <laughs> Logistics are hard. A <laughs> question because they 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 said the word origin, but um, our uh, co-watchers children uh, talked over that, and we did not want to mm. go back. So what? Why is it? They called said the farm workers called it little belt. Because it's, um, it's, it's, it's a skirt, skirt steak. steak. So, skirt yeah, steak, so it's sorry. the yeah. cow's little belt. And I, would, I, I will say, as someone uh-huh. who does not eat meat, Alex, I, I want to yep. defend the skirt steak. It it maybe isn't the most expensive cut, but it's a delicious cut of beef. It's a really good cut. It's that pretty good. That, that was the, the steak that I would eat when I was eating steak. It's good. I just remember, like, I don't always eat steak, but when I do, it's a skirt. <laughs> when I do, it's a little belt. <laughs> it's it's fajitas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, I just remember from like a podcast episode about the history of the fajita, because it's one of those, it's one of the dishes that's not like, this isn't 500 years of tradition. This is like, we know the restaurant in the 70s where they invented this and we can talk to that guy. And it was like, yeah, we have this steak that's a little tight, a little tough. We, it doesn't sell as well. We need to we need to gussy it up. We need to pretty it up for the prom, and well, this is what they did. The Talk butchers to that woman, cut. Right? Talk to that uh, woman. Sorry, you're right. You're right. Oh, sorry, Megan. She just said, "Talk to that woman." I said, "Talk to that guy." It's a good catch. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's it was also called the butcher's cut because it's often one that the butchers would like save for themselves because even though it's like tougher, it also has a ton of beef flavor in it. It's a very flavorful mm. cut of steak. Well, and I, you know, I like a, I like any word that ends in ita. It's so cute. Like a little belt. Even mm-hmm. though cows, big ass belt, if you ask me. Those are big. They're big boys. I mean, actually, and if you think about the skin, they're basically made of all belts. Yeah, it's right. Oh, that's, that's a disgusting belt. Also, good that is that is an awful belt. But <laughs> it's a racking of belts. <laughs> It's a uh, accurate? Is that, well, way to say something accurate that also <laughs> upsets everybody at the same time. Why do I not have a problem with this one? Okay, I'm going to change the meaning to the little strips of steak look like little belts when they're cut oh, that's that way. Cute too. Yeah. This is also so fine. It also still means the cow is made out of belts. I look, look, I'm just saying, there's no way to not think of a cow as belts. I don't. I didn't make this rule. Yes, but every even, other way to think of a cow as is look, not saying, made of belts. It's not cool, but we seem to be using them for belts a lot. Okay, if you have a problem with that, you got to talk to people who are not me. I'm not Can in I charge of this. Fun, I'm not a fun cow fact I learned that is not upsetting. Great, yeah, sure. I just found out uh, this week, last week. I just found out. I was today years old when I found out that cow tipping is not a real thing. Oh. They invented that the, for Tommy Boy. Yeah, no, because you can't. Because they're so heavy. That no, if, like, well, wait. I, I, 
You, uh, you can, you can how about like cow leveraging then, right? Like cow, cow yeah, winching. There was cow like, I watched a mathematician do this. That was like you would need you would need thirty seven strapping men to get the force needed to push it horizontally, and that's if the cow doesn't resist at all. Mm. If it widens its stance a little bit, you need a thousand men. Um. <laughs> it's just the physics don't make sense. Also, cows sleep lying down, so the idea that they're sleeping standing up and you just push them up, they sleep lying down. Oh, they also, can nap briefly up, but they during the night they lie down. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, the cows are fine. The, Alex, that, and, and that you know, the going boy, down the stairs thing, that's just about self-confidence. They can totally do it. <laughs> I, I, okay, so you're mixing, oh you're mixing my good fact with a made-up fact. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> no, this is all true. It's all in the sauce now. Oh, speaking of made-up facts, I have to fact-check myself. I got the skirt steak wrong. The hanger steak is the butcher's cut. That oh, the is, butcher's oh. Yeah. But it's also a skirt on a hanger, presumably. skirt so. steak. Oh wow! Wow. Okay. Well, that's why you hang it up. Yeah, it's a little hanger. Um, okay. Anyway, that was just bullet point one of my summary of quick fire. So let's get we back to work. Um, the chefs have forty five minutes to complete their cook and their full shopping trip around this giant market, um, buying ingredients. Which, in Ashley's case, turns out to be a little too much uh, market for her. And that would she be my problem herself. also. <laughs> It's such a big market, and I don't, so much to see. I feel like if you got to do fajitas, one you pass first options. before you buy anything, you got to see all the options and see who has the best. I think you come back after taping is over, and when they say go, you go to the quickest market, the, the nearest stall, and you buy whatever they have. And yeah, you just come guess, right back to the pantry. My move at a farmer's market is always like, well, I got to spend 15 minutes slowly walking, eyeing everything before I commit right. to any purchases. Ooh, well, you have to because the worst is if you like buy tomatoes and then you go three stalls down. And you're like, those are better tomatoes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. This farmer wins. Do you do you guys do the thing where you like sample it and then you're like, okay, I'll think about it. And then you never see them again. No. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't you, live you mean that way. Interrupting the farmers of America is no. We don't do that. No, I just look. I I think I make a much better measured decision over um yeah over a, one single basket of strawberries than I do about most other things in my life. Answer to that. <laughs> um, we definitely have been seduced by samples. We've definitely been like, well, I wasn't here to buy peaches, but that was incredible. I was just yeah. browsing peaches, but actually. Also- it's like really awkward to leave, so I guess I'm gonna buy these peaches yes. now. Yeah, the, the, uh, the sad get, farmer get standing there, like you're not just gonna take my peaches, are you? That's I too much for me. My, Look, it's my hands. These callous <laughs> hands came, made these peaches. <laughs> They're probably not all actually farmers, but yeah, yeah, I do feel too guilty when I sample. All right, so um, judging that was the first sentence of the second bullet point. Um, this uh, <laughs> these fajitas are going to be judged. Your special fajitas. Um, are going to be judged by Claudette Zapeta, who you guys remember but don't recognize from Top Chef 15, Top Chef Colorado. Yeah. Um, uh, I she looked different, yeah. right? She did yeah. look a little different. Um, I go by tattoos and hair color, and I feel like those are fairly similar, so I was fine. You did? Oh, okay. Yeah, she also had like the, the cool glasses and the strong lip shade. Those were consistent. Um, but she had, she had lost a lot of was weight it? from her time and on, she on the was- show. Semi villainous, wasn't she? Like kind she, of, yeah. I, I do feel semi is a good word for it, though. Some it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say she was like trying to mess people up, but she had the sort of like I'm not here to make friends energy. Yes, it was yes. anti-hero. Yeah. yeah, I think those. I think that's true. Apparently, she also competed alongside Katsuji on Top Chef Mexico. Okay, which Aww. I did not know, um, I and know I looked for information on it, and all I I found a few like clips, little short clips, but not any actual information on how they did. I assume if they won, we would have heard in this introduction, yes. but 
uh, I think that's super interesting, and I would be tempted to watch Top Chef Mexico, even though I would understand like only every fourth word. Fajita. Um, yeah, I don't understand fajita, right? Um, and and also, of course, as you know, this episode is this this challenge must be. It could only be sponsored by local Colorado restaurant chain Chipotle, famous for not having any fajitas on the menu. So, no, oh, really? <laughs> no fajitas. They have they do the have, fajita yeah. vegetables that you can add to literally anything. But yeah, they I, have I some, like those. some green peppers and onions, which is nice. I like those. But I bet you could look. I bet you could nope. basically get a de facto fajita nope. dish pretty easily. You cannot like, get them to sizzle anything at, at Chipotle. It's not possible. They don't have a, um, a serving platter to put it on. There's no they, serving platter. Yeah, you, you can't throw a little water in that black plastic basket with the holes in the sides and be like, "Oh, wow, sizzle!" This, look, you can just remember this. You can have a, like a um, an ASMR like YouTube video going at the same time if you, you want. You couldn't really even experience. ask them to go sizzle, sizzle, sizzle as they carry it to you because you pick it up yourself from the counter. You can bring I can your sizzle own my own beef. Thank you, you like, very much. You put everything in the skillet. <laughs> so if you BYO skillet and then get it really hot somehow and then throw some water in it, you can carry that your fajita veggies in that. It's like yeah. an off, you know, one of those yeah. secret menu items. You can <laughs> yeah, bring right. your own skillet, you can get fajitas. I don't think anyway. Um, I feel like tell me if 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 you guys agree with this, but in a different part of the explanation, Evelyn, they cut to Evelyn giving the strongest eye roll I've ever seen. And I suspect that was actually after the Chipotle thing, and they moved it. That's my theory. Yeah. That was a, a floating eye roll? It wasn't for I that? I think so. I think that, because that, that was, it, it was so cheesy. Um, but on but the plus know, side, the winner does get $10,000, which is a lot of sofritas. Yeah. And because there's money on the line, we know the winner is Nick. Yeah. Of so course. We, yeah, also, yeah. So... So, I, I gotta say, wait. So, so I think it was Nick. I don't remember. Someone said that's a lot of masa, which I liked a lot. <laughs> I don't remember said that either, but yeah, that's fun. Um, so, also, with the Chipotle spawn, they had the table with all the meats, and I, I just was daring one of these chefs to make a dish with sofritas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would have been nice. I really like the sofritas, but man, yeah, that would not be. Well, I mean, Jay did cook tofu, so she was trying, and then was punished for it. But she well, was she was punished for like barely having all of her components on the dish and kimchi for right. everything eating eating oily. You know, it wasn't. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. But okay. she also cooked tofu and it didn't go well overall. I think that's still true. Not the okay. tofu's fault. But nobody was like, "You cooked tofu, therefore push that's ups, true. push ups for you." The tofu, which is weird. Um, yeah. She was making so Jay made a gochujang crepe, which is probably delicious in a universe where she has like real cooking equipment but mm-hmm. did not work at all in this current setup and did eat oily exactly. and she didn't get everything yeah. finished um mm. and so her her attempt at tex-mexerian triple fusion did not work i can't remember what they were what was their they tried to do a fusion of the words korean and tex-mex and gave up and i feel like tex-mexerian was right there yeah but you yeah. need the k because without the k in there it's 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 like, like correct mex oh correct mex i mean that sounds judgy but um like this is the correct mex mm. <laughs> actually this yeah. is the correct mex <laughs> yeah many people have argued for generations about the correct mex anyway um that doesn't go well damar puts too much mango in his relish so it's too sweet and uh Ashley steals her girlfriend's cheese crust idea, but it gets stuck to the plate. And she spent 44 of her 45 minutes wandering the market. So um, that's going to be a fight when she gets home and she does not win. But 
More sizzling ideas. Buddha makes a pretty traditional looking fajita, but really well. Evelyn makes a pretty traditional looking fajita, but she shreds some ram. She she threads the needle on the rambutan, so it actually tastes pretty good. And Nick the baker makes uh, this year's big money winner. Um, brings home the bread yet again. He makes pretty traditional looking fajitas, and are there the best of the day? It does seem like the top three did not wander so far from the fajita village, but Nick adds 10k to his already pretty tremendous pile of masa. Nice. It's good. <laughs> it's good stuff. I mean, like, I was look. rooting so hard for Nick to win. There's something that's just so funny about one person getting all the money challenges, but not winning overall. This that seems, like, Of course I wanted him to win. This seems like Nick is finding a strategy that Ezra should have come up with like in past seasons of like, why try and be top chef when you can just win the money challenges? Yeah. Yeah. You don't get the 150k, but you could walk away with 50k and no and no stress. I do like I bet that. He's also I, trying to get the 150k. Yeah, he yeah, might he be trying to do both. both like I guess. also part of his strategy. <laughs> like only care about cooking when money is on the line. The other times, like, eh. yeah, I don't cook for free. Come on, Tom, what do you expect from me? <laughs> Wait, he's just he's just yeah. It's a, it's a non it's a it's a low stakes quick fire. He's just kind of like just hanging back, basically not just yeah. I, I, I well, especially because like he he makes he's made some dishes that he's made before. He's got his traditional spice mix. He's like. 249 spices that he used on these fajitas but he's also like in the elimination he made his famous mississippi gumbo that he makes a lot which is not a criticism but if you have your six best restaurant dishes maybe only cook them when there's money on the line yeah that's that's the strategy instead of saving the best for your final menu you save them for the money challenges that makes a lot of sense because i think if you you could probably figure out the average expected value of any individual dish whether it like you know moves you forward towards like you know like this is how much increased percentage it is of you actually winning uh, overall and so it's, it's like oh yeah because Kyle it. was like Ezra you should have thought of this and you're like why do I love, love this idea <laughs> well I mean look Nick's not well, here's what he's not doing he is not pocketing the the Whole Foods uh, dollars uh, right uh, you know uh, and and then like selling them on like that's uh, true. Like, uh, giftcardgranny.com uh, dot right. at, at a discount so he's not doing everything he could be doing but he could you know it's right. still good. The example was you got fifty dollars to market. shop in the farmers market. He only spent ten on food. Yeah, that's because they're and the, and the producers aren't watching you that closely. You get forty bucks today. Ooh, actually, wait. If you buy enough food, you could just set up your own stall at the farmers market and sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the opportunity know. cost for the other challenges is really high. So. Yeah, it probably would be for not cooking the rest of the <laughs> Good day. Good point. Good point. The, You'd use your 45 minutes. You'd be like, I ran over to a stall. I spent 10 bucks on food. I set up a small food stall next to them, spent 35 minutes cooking and selling the food there. I made about $90, did not have a plate to show for <laughs> the judges, but oh at least God, I made 90 bucks today. Hold on a second. He has like $35,000 right now. He'd just be like, look, yeah. I hired someone to cook the food for you know an extra 500 bucks, and like now I have twice as many hands. Right, um, that might that might be a violation of the brief. I didn't read the whole thing, but hiring sure, a, a sous chef might not count in Top I mean, Chef. Yeah, have, probably not. If you have a quick fire challenge in a public place, people walking by should be on the table. You should be able to recruit <laughs> people for quick fire. It's, it's like it's like restaurant wars where they get us one of the servers to come in and do prep cook or whatever. Yes, they yeah. get the dishwasher to do prep. Yeah, anyone in the market is employable within the world of this quick fire. Yeah. I feel like we're in the, the largely theoretical but impractical air bud rules of well there's no <laughs> there's no rules that says dog can't be a top chef. Like <laughs> 
Like, but also, what rules should you ever no. follow besides the impractical Airbud rules? That's yeah. how you should always approach games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is nothing in saying a dog cannot enter Top Chef, as far as I know. This is the great thing about about any like sort of like Ezra style rules is that like it'll only work once. So you right. better have a lot yeah, of right. loopholes. There, there wasn't a rule that dogs couldn't enter Top Chef last year. <laughs> so you're not you you can't be afraid of the competition or anybody doing it better because they're gonna outlaw it afterwards. That's, you know? That's yeah. true. Yeah. The there's gonna be an Ezra Fox memorial no dogs rule in every competition <laughs> you've been in. No, you can't set up a food stall and hire other people, the new Top Chef rule. And yeah. you, they're like doing the long brief with the, the lawyers and you're like I know it sounds like we shouldn't have to say this, but we did have to it, say we it. We did so. have to say this one time. So now we have to say it every time. Someone ruined it for everyone. All right. Moving on to the elimination challenge. Houston is home to one of the most important space hubs in America, as you all know, centered around the Johnson Space Center, um, which has mission control for both the Apollo program. Famously, Houston, we have a problem. They were talking to them and also currently for the space station. So um, if you want to go see the people who are currently on a call with the space station, you can do that in Houston. And it's extremely cool. And you should all go. And I really liked it there. And I highly recommend it. My favorite part is if you go to the Johnson Space Center, when you walk in, it's like a theme park where they make you take a picture in front of a green screen and then they like will sell you a picture of you looking like you're on the moon when you never actually went to the moon. Yeah. Oh, which man. so that now we know how they did that. Yeah. They're not even the the they oh. have that machine and they just they don't even hide it. They're just like this machine is the first thing you see. You could just this is how we do it. Sarah really liked um, the, the, the spacey stuff. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, the rocket garden is really fun, Sarah. I like the rocket garden a lot. Ooh, that sounds um, fun. But also, just yeah. W- actually, when I went, when I went there, it was a Sunday, and I went to the part they took on the tour. They go to the part that's mission control for the space station, and there was just no one there. So I guess there's no problems in space on Sundays. Everyone's just pretty chill up there. So Do there's no one they could talk to if they needed to. Presumably, there's a small emergency communication center, but no, the- they just bring in the people on the tour. Like if there's a problem, <laughs> oh, we might have gotten oh, we might have yeah. gotten called in. That was my whoever's chance. just in the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah like the like, oh, well, passerby. Next year you can't do that based on the right. new Ezra rule. This year you but, can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for this now, year, it's sort of like being on a plane. Time, like, you can go in there and see them talking to the astronauts. Yeah, the, the tour station. through it will t- they'll take you to the current actual mission control for the space station, which is fascinating. Wow. It's an international space station, as you all know from the title. Um, so presumably there are other space stations in other um, countries uh, or communication centers in other countries. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been to those, but um, yeah, I really did. I really did like Johnson. Um, One thing that was interesting is that Top Chef and this might just be blowing smoke or, you know, whatever, but uh, they did mention that it was Marcus Samuelson who arranged for the chefs to have the meeting at the Johnson Space Center. And I thought, surely it's the producers of Top Chef, but they're like... (laughs) Marcus Samuelson has arranged for the chefs to come over and and do this. Marcus Samuelson has connections. He does. Well, he dresses like he knows something that I don't. About hats. So, like, I feel like he he might know a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know. Um, know. uh, Celebrities get a lot of credit for things like that when they have nothing to do with it. Like, I was thinking about the Met Gala. Like, this is just a place for designers to show off their art. And the celebrities get all the credit. Yeah, right. You didn't. You didn't make that dress. That would be crazy. Um, uh, I I did hear yeah. a fun story mentioning Marcus Samuelson this week because uh, people were mentioning or remembering how was it Kiki Palmer 
was tweeting about the Met yes. Gala like either before the pandemic or six months ago and talked about how bad all the food was. And Marcus Samuelson said, I made all this food. It's a vegan meal for everyone at the Met Gala. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. I like him too. I always like seeing Marcus show up. Um, although I was, so I was rereading because I didn't remember what the challenge was the last time they cooked for space. So it was the DC season and they were at the Goddard Space Center, uh, Space Flight Center in DC, um, which has a lot of research but does not launch. Um, uh, but they, um, Sh- Chef Angelo won that challenge with his ginger latch- lacquered short ribs and horseradish creme fraiche. But that challenge was judged by Anthony Bourdain and Buzz Aldrin. Which is pretty cool. Um, that is pretty cool. I mean, yeah. Um, also, that episode was titled Gastronauts, which is a much better title for an episode cooking about space than Dinner in Zerog. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> right, but they already they did that said, one. So. They should have just said yeah. Gastronauts I'm saying they, at once. Still gassing. <laughs> just text still the gassing. person who used to work there. <laughs> Sorry, I talked over that, Kyle. Um I was too excited about my own stupid That was pretty thought. good. Gastronauts 2, still gassing. It's very good. Kyle. Still gassing. It's a really great idea. Yeah. Um, the uh, one thing that's super cool about this time around, though, is that in addition to talking NASA foods to NASA food scientist Dr. Grace Douglas, they also got to do a surprise Zoom call with astronauts currently on the space station, yeah. which is cool as hell. That was great. It, it oh. was incredible. Jay's jaw... This is not COVID safe, but her jaw was on the floor of the theater the entire phone call. I don't think I've seen the, that much childlike wonder on this show in a long time. It was incredible. Well, they were, and they didn't warn him. They just sat him down in a theater and they were like turned on the TV and you're like, oh, cool. It's people in, on the space station. And then they were like, hello, chefs. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy. Well, Sarah oh, man, mentioned that was cool. this, that um, it it's fun watching these astronauts because this is just what they do during their downtime. They're just calling kids around the yeah. world and saying, look at our tricks. Look at yep. us squeeze yeah. food and jump up and get it and do flips. <laughs> and you know what? They're good it's tricks. So true. I enjoy watching it every time. Yeah, I like it too. It still feels special. It, like it, It's still hard to get on that call list, even if that's what they're doing a lot of. Oh, yeah. 100%. They're just reading meters, growing plants in zero-G, and then talking to children. And, and about- spending eight hours a day on weird springy exer bikes so they don't lose all of their bone and muscle density. Um, they So in between that, they make time to call. Um, yeah, this, the experiments are like such a big part of it. I, I did get to go to the um, – I got to go um, watch a, a launch in Florida that was taking um, s- supplies to the space station a, a few years ago as part of their social media influencers program, um, which was really fun. But they like we – were, we were going around and we got to like talk to different groups of people I- that were working on projects that were going to be on the space station. And one of the things they basically said was like they do so many experiments – all day long that if you want to apply and get your your research on the space station which is free anyone can apply to have their research on the space station yeah you just have to make sure it takes like two seconds at a time like it, whatever the thing they have to do on it it has to be incredibly simple have really big labels because they've got a million of them so they'll walk over they'll turn your seat eighth of an inch leaf that's the most they're going to interact with your experiment because they are busy guys can we do this can we design one <laughs> real quick <laughs> Yeah, we can apply. Sure. All right. What do we want to know? Does um, well, there also there is another thing that the space station does where they do a lot of like 
dumb fake research where it's like Budweiser wanted to see if hops could grow in space and Adidas wanted to see if shoes could work in space. So you can also do just like a attention getting one. So I guess we could see if podcasts work in space. Are podcasts as funny in space? Oh, does the law right? Does the does zero gravity affect uh, people's ability to laugh at things? <laughs> so we're going to send jokes to and we'll use the twin right where there's a twin on the space station, a twin on Earth, and we'll play the same joke for them and see if they laugh as hard in space. Oh, yeah, because two twins would laugh, no doubt, at the same time, yeah, Chris, in the same Chris, manner to the resident space. twin expert. All, all twins are the same. Yeah, that's si- that's just science. <laughs> are how many Chris astronauts is, uh, you're, are you're identical immediately twins? like you're immediate like. On behalf of twins, voice kicked in so hard right there. Ah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> there was, though, they did famously send a, there was like the identical twins where they sent one to space for a year and then measured him against his other, his buddy. Uh, oh, yeah. Was that Scott Kelly? Was he the uh, uh, Yeah, he's a twin. Scott Kelly. Yeah. Mark, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so you could get Mark and Kelly and Scott Kelly to laugh at jokes. I think we could try it. I know you and your sister have different senses of humor, Chris, but I think Mark and Scott might like Sorry, the same jokes. Sorry, incredibly serious family business here. No, not really. Not no, really. It was awesome. It was awesome. It's fine. Kyle, what were you going to say? Nothing. No, I was, I was asking about like okay. whether like if it's how, how the percentage of astronauts who are sets of twins and whether that's like a loophole to get into the space program is like if you have a twin or identical twin, can right. you do all the things so you can be like, all right, we just need more twins up there. So we're constantly doing like <laughs> test kit, like that. That's a great question. I don't think that's how it works, but I do like the idea because you wouldn't even have to convince your twin to go to space. You're like, no, no, I'm going to space. You just have to stay here. And every once in a while, they'll call you and ask you if you think a joke is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're doing or like, astronaut tryouts and like this person's failing nearly every test we give them. But. The other thing that we did when I went to the when I went to the one in Florida was they were doing a lot of like growing plants in space. They're putting a lot of work into growing plants in space mm. station because people just go crazy eating goo from pouches. And so if they can have like a bite of lettuce once a month, it like makes a huge difference in everybody's mental health. So they were really into little tiny bits of lettuce in, in the space station. Um, also, spicy food. I thought that was so interesting that it's harder to taste. Like to taste. Yeah, your taste buds get really dulled in space, and they also don't give you as much salt because it's bad for your bone density, apparently. Mm-hmm. And so they were just like constantly putting hot sauce on everything, which is so fun. Astronauts are just like us. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense that like the whatever, like you know, your sinuses and and all those. It's of, your like, sinuses, fluid stuff yeah, that, yeah, because you're all the goo in your head floats up and gets in the way of your tasting. Yeah. Huh. Weird. Body's weird, man. I All do right. think, I want to say, say they mentioned that on the first one. I can't remember if that's true, but I definitely remembered that fact from before somewhere that I heard. Um, also, if you are feeling, back to the d- challenge now, if you, not just me talking about this. Um, oh, well, they did say it's for an upcoming, testing for an upcoming mission to Mars, which NASA's Artemis missions are like, we might go to Mars in the 2040s. That's like the official stance, but there's like 15 years behind the moon plan. So I don't I think, think Artemis, that's... isn't Artemis the moon one? Yeah, Artemis is the moon one. And they're, part of the moon plan is that they're building a space station that'll orbit the moon that'll be a stopover on the way to Mars. So like this, but even then they're like 2040 at the earliest. Now SpaceX is like, oh yeah, we're going to go to Mars in September. But they also have lied about that every month for the last three years. So we don't expect that either. Like, no one expects. Anyway, we're not going to Mars anytime soon. It's very far and not interesting, um, particularly. 
What? I, I mean, there's not places Alex, to go. Alex, you're just upset at the timetable. Like the fact that we're going to Mars is still holistically <laughs> interesting. You just don't like the fact that it's incremental steps. No, no, we not need at all. to figure I, out the food if we, we're going to send people to Mars. Like this is something that like is no, a that problem. I, that I agree with. I don't think we're going to go to Mars in our lifetime because it's not useful. There's just very little to be gained from oh, people. Alex. Alex, I don't know that because we haven't been there. We and have also, robots there right now. We put like seven RC cars on on Mars, and we we're like, look, nothing here that we need. Yeah, but that's we got to like race a- our RCs, buddy. Also, there to see it. But Alex, something being useful has never been a requirement for humanity's effort. <laughs> you understand this, right? We have a lot of Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, Moon Knight just came out, dude. Like, it's fine. Yeah, but also, like, well, of course. Oscar, where have we sent the, the RC cars to? Because imagine if you're in space and you send an RC car to Earth and it only lands in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Like, you would think Earth is largely useless. Wow, Earth is a lot of the office. I, mean, I I'm just trying to. I was trying to find the most average. No, I know. I, I know. Um, I think the food scene is yeah. up and coming. I mean, maybe there's parts of it. We also have a helicopter on Mars that's tootling around right now. So we've seen a lot. So it's like if you landed a car in in Scranton, but you like did a little flyover of Pittsburgh, you'd be like, okay, I, I get it. I get Earth. And you wouldn't be that wrong, honestly. Like Pittsburgh is pretty pretty good. They're testing how to fly in Mars's atmosphere, though. It's extremely cool. The helicopter is amazing, but we don't need to put people there. Putting people on in places is just so dangerous and expensive and not important. Well, what happens when we run out of Earth to destroy and we need to destroy another yeah, planet? Yeah, things aren't going to destroy themselves. Okay, it's human so, help. <laughs> yes, that's that is Welcome true. back to pack your mics. But I think <laughs> Top Chef podcast. I just I do think that if we wanted to ruin a planet. Well, Mars is already pretty ruined. That's the thing. Mars is awful. Look at point. That's really good. Great point. Uh, we, we tried that with Venus, and it doesn't seem that awesome. But Mars is pre-ruined, so there's not a lot of work we need to do. It's been so thoroughly ruined, so we'd we have to really fix it up in order it. to ruin it. Yeah, we'd have to like we'd have to do a lot of uh, geoengineering to then make it ruinable. And that same amount of geoengineering, we could just do to the current Earth to unruin it, so that we can ruin it again. It would be easier. Whatever disaster is here, it would be easier to fix that than it would be to go to Mars oh, look, and fix look, a disaster to then start living If there. I can chime in here, as someone who, like, you know, Sarah and I both have to clean up after the kids while they're currently ruining, doing the unruining <laughs> and ruining process at the same time is very stressful. And so it's really oh, nice to actually be able to have just time to unruin a thing and then ruin it in stages. Yeah, if I could move to a new house and then ruin that house, I think that'd be better for my emotional well-being. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That's fair. So you're buying um, a new house to renovate? And then Ru- renovate. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. You're buying Ru- a, just a, a, okay. a, a decrepit house, but it's really nice. Great bones. Chris <laughs> wants to go back to this. Yeah, uh, were we watching a show about food or? Something? Yeah, we can talk Where about we? food again. This is just one thing that I really like, and so I got distracted. I, mean, I really like it too. I'm I, I'm here for it. But okay, you thank know, you. You're know, right. You're just... right. Okay. Also, if you think cooking, or so back to food. If you think that a challenge of cooking food that could work in space is a bit bullshitty for this late in the competition, don't worry. There are not actually any rules. It's just yeah. l- with less salt. Yeah, but, yeah, I or guess. Don't. But there's no Thicken salt it. measuring. There's no you, you don't have to put it in a bag. You can. They give you bags, but you don't have to. Um, but yeah, they say like no loose liquids. And they do say whatever you do, don't use something that produces a lot of tiny crumbs because that'll get into the computers and cause the space station to crash and kill everybody on board. But then the judges apparently weren't told that part. More right, on well, that the, later. 
Oh, really? The Pavlova, like Sarah and I were like, this doesn't I, I seem was, like the right idea. I love Buddha yeah. and that looked delicious, yeah. but I was so upset about that. So yes, crumbly. Sure. So am I. That's why I'm foreshadowing it in this yeah, but discussion. It doesn't stay crumb. Gonna... I, guess, I guess the Pavlova turns back into egg whites once it reaches a certain temperature. I don't know how Pavlovas work. I don't know. I think you bake it. I don't think you bake that Pavlova, but I like the idea. <laughs> they're, they're, the, the chefs are cooking for the regular panel, plus astronauts Tony and Antonelli and Katie Coleman, who lived in on the space station for six months. So she knows how to eat food upside down and has space worms in her brain. Also, there are um, there is All Stars winner and our favorite chef Melissa King, uh, hey. best ever. And the always well-dressed uh, Marcus Samuelson is there uh, because apparently he had the phone number for the astronauts. Um, <laughs> Nick makes a perfect wait, 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 Mississippi wait, wait, gumbo. A Al- Alex, I just love the idea that there's a group chat for on Samuelson's phone, which is like Samuelson and the astronauts. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's a nice thing. You just like, they met hey, doing karaoke. Yeah, let's and, go. Yeah, now they hang out night. sometimes. Yeah. Um, so uh, Nick makes a perfect Mississippi gumbo that's so good it causes Jeff Samuelson to quote the late great Nina Simone wrong uh, Mississippi goddamn not what she meant she didn't mean boy this food's good well, um, no are you sure no what she did mean? not I think she meant it as a bad I don't I think is the whole point of that song well I'm gonna look up whether it's about gumbo or not yeah you you can also don't read too much about it right now you're gonna be sad the rest of the show um, all right I'll stop uh evelyn makes a guiso rojo and just continues to execute amazing interesting food day in and day out uh but the winner today is buddha who of all of the history of the space program um he's inspired by helen helen shepherd golfing briefly that's his favorite thing about space is remember that time alan shepherd kind of hit a golf ball wow great work um Whatever, that's fine. That part's fine. So he makes a golf ball out of white chocolate, fine. And then he surrounds it with moon rocks made out of meringue because, quote, it's freeze-dried like space, even though during the explanation, the food scientist said, we don't do that anymore, and please don't make crumbs. It'll specifically kill everybody on board. And he did the one thing they said not to. And because they're going to send this to space, he's going to kill everybody on the space station, and his the blood slash berry compote will be on their hand on his hands. And I guess it's okay because of golf. Anyway, he gets his first win. Yeah, golf has a lot of issues, and and we've we really given it a pass in in terms of resource intensive like wastefulness. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it's hate, just like it. this is par so for, much the, par for the course. If I can say this, <laughs> huh? I don't, I, I don't think you can. So can we? I like, don't go think you should have. All right, this is eagle that? for the course. <laughs> <laughs> the eagle for the course has landed. <laughs> Look, I hate golf. I hate golf on the moon. And I hate crumbs in the computers. I just really like there was one. I don't understand why this is the one that won. Because like even when Tom ate it, he was like, yeah, this is a good dessert. It's a great story, a good dessert. But it was also next to like a great stew that had texture, variety. And then I I really thought Nick was going to win again because he made a great dish that seemed to like be what you want. I'm guessing that's what you want in space. Yeah, you need a stew because it's not going to get in the computers and kill everybody. And you want something that reminds you of like part of Earth. Like this is a real homey dish. Mm-hmm. And it's he puts like he puts some stuff in it, little uh, little textural bits in it. So it's like not just goo. And apparently it tastes incredible, but they'd rather have a golf ball with jam in it. I, that will kill you. I mean, it's really I, good. But pavlovas are really good. I don't right? like pavlovas. I also don't like Pavlovas. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've got an anti-meringue gang, Chris, and I, they're wrong, but they are here. Uh, anti-meringue gang. <laughs> I, it, Pavlovas are fine. I, I can think of, 
a dozen desserts I'd order before a pavlova, but I wouldn't well, be mad sure. if you put one in front of me. No, and I think part of it also, maybe some of the judging was swayed by, like, what do they have a lot of uh, in yeah. space right now, and what do they not have a lot of? That's and true. it seems like spicy stews sort of, well, we, we're, we're highly indexed on spicy I, stews. I love the idea that Neil Armstrong was, like, right after, like, you know, one small step, he was like, man, and I could kill for a pavlova. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I miss most about Earth besides breathing and all of the people I've ever met? Pavlova. Yeah, I think that was in First Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is. I think this is what bu- the new Buzz Lightyear is actually about. Is just him missing pavlovas. Oh, yeah. If at some point he eats a pavlova and the crumbs get in the gears or whatever, I'd, I'd like that. No, that Lightyear would be over is a, again. a big bait and switch. They say like, oh yeah, this is the sequel to Toy Story, or it's an extension of yeah. the Toy Story universe, but it's really just a ratatouille in space. <laughs> I like under, this. Under his helmet, there's a rat helping him fly the spaceship. Absolutely. I th- why don't they? Why is that not like you know how Pixar loves little through jokes like the pizza places in every movie? Yeah. Why not just have it be canonically every human in the Pixar universe? is being controlled by a rat on their head that no matter what the movie is if you take off the hat there's a tiny rat there driving that person that'd be great what a great opportunity missed i guess the novelty of ratatouille would go away if it was literally everyone in ratatouille (laughs) was also being controlled by a rat it would be for them but not for me i would be not i'd find it delightful every time um i was impressed that um so the dessert was served during the first course yeah he got, he got like a real a bum draw to eat dessert so it was uh it must have really uh, been memorable been, yeah awesome yeah yeah. yeah yeah right next to a spicy stew there's a white chocolate golf ball full of jam and they still mm-hmm. remembered that an hour later that is impressive that's a it was bad luck that he got pulled there um less successful dishes for the day ashley makes tinned fish reimagined um and uh it's fun. It's spacey. There's scissors. The astronauts were like excited to eat with scissors. Um, and then apparently it tasted like tin fish, not reimagined. Tin fish originally imagined. It just. Yeah, not that flavorful. Just sort yeah. of. Okay. She yeah. punched it in coconut water, right? Because she cared about the brief too much. Yeah. Which turns out super. Yeah. They were like, oh, we don't care. This will kill us all. And she was like, oh, I made safe space food. I love this in comparison to the Jurassic Park challenge where like that one. Tom's like, why didn't they follow my brief? And this one, he's just like, I wanted a golf ball dessert. Who cares about like (laughs) they seem like oddly the same level of complexity and rules, except they just completely disregarded the rules in this one. And the other one, Tom unfair, like just got very in his rule hat. I mean, Tom loved the. I mean, okay. I like the rule hat. Tom very, uh, he likes the silly story though. And a golf ball on a moon rock reminded him of golf balls on the, like he liked the story of that, which I don't even think is that good of a story. It's like, one of the dumbest things that's happened in the space program. Why do you want it to all be useful, man? The dumb stuff is the best stuff. This is what we do. <laughs> this is humanity. <laughs> I, I will say my favorite part about the Alan Shepard golfing on the moon thing was that he like smuggled it there. Like other people at NASA did not know it. And it wasn't a full golf. Club. It's like, a, it's like a, it? a foot long um, golf club head that he, he got someone to make it so it could attach to like an actual instrument he needed to use on the moon so he could screw it together and make it look kind of like a golf club, but he like snuck it in his personal effects. So they didn't know that that's pretty fun. I, I, I'm a fan. I know this yeah. this. yeah. Right. I just, like, I just don't think 
This should have won. Um, anyway, so Ashley is a tin fish. Oh, um, uh, what else was on the bottom? Demar, Demar's, Demar Demar's made some chicken. Was oh, yeah, Demar chicken made, rice. Yeah, yeah, Demar decided to make uh, rice rice two ways, both bad. He, he decided to overcook rice a couple of times um, was his plan. Um, and it was also making a spicy stew, so it was a little bit boring, um, even if it had worked. And then, but un- unfortunately, Jay's bulgogi that was not well cooked and was not well seasoned is what gets blasted by the judges. And then um, um, we had a, we, I don't know if you guys noticed, we've had a, a reprieve from cringy Tom elimination speeches for the last few weeks. But he came yeah, back nice. with gusto today where he was like, chefs, just think about that boy or girl looking up. Maybe they see a bird and they think someday I will go to the moon like that bird. Anyway, it was crazy. I thought it was Tom like was some, having a wild I night. I thought he was going to say sometimes you look up, see that bird, and think I'm going to cook that bird one day and becomes a <laughs> chef. Think about that child with the dishes you decide to put together. So you see this bird, you decide you're going to fly someday. Really shoot for the stars. Anyway, your beef was overcooked. Okay. It was weird. If I could defend this, sometimes when you're a dad, you start talking (laughs) and you try to prove a point to your kids and you lose a little bit of the script. (laughs) Yeah. You have to land the plane somehow. Okay. (laughs) Like a bird. You have to land anyway. But I think it's also in the edit because the three chefs who were on the bottom looked destroyed during the stew room part. They yeah. all looked like it was a really, really tough criticism. So, I mean, maybe it was just where the elves decided to edit or maybe they picked up on tone more than words. I don't know. You know? Well, and his theory, his theme was like push yourselves. He was like really into telling people to push themselves. And I wonder if maybe just like the the stews that were a little bit boring, just like that irritated him a lot. Like he thought they weren't trying that hard or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it was mm-hmm. all just coded to be like, Damar, we should be eliminating you, but we like you too much. Like it, could, it, it might be one of those things where he Possible? says, I'm talking to all the chefs, but he's like so struck at Dem- like. I or maybe re- not that we he really was, they like were going Demar. to eliminate him, but just that they thought he was really close to being eliminated and they're mad about it. It's just, the dish he made, like even looking at that with everything else, I'm just like, what? The, he made like maybe a quick fire dish. Like I see nothing inspired no. by like what he made. Even if he had cooked the rice right, it still would have been on the bottom because like, yeah, what is it's what, not impressive. There, there's there wasn't like anything behind that conceptually. And I'm, I guess, like, you could say, like, well, Evelyn made a pork stew that did taste good. But, like, even looking at that, I'm like, this looks delectable. This It looks like there's perspective. And the dish, like, Damar made looked like something I conceivably could have made myself. It's true. I mean, I certainly could have overcooked rice. I usually under, but I could overcook it if I they had gotta to. got to get an Instant Pot in the Top Chef kitchen. I mean, like, just set it and forget it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I haven't done that yet. It's crazy. Um, I, 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 I think you're right. I think Demar was close to going home. It did seem like Ashley, not Ashley. Um, Jay's sins were worse. That like her mm-hmm. beef was badly cooked, and that's not yeah. pleasant for anybody. Yeah. And they did say like, if you looked around the table, everybody left most of Jay's food there. And I think that's actually a really good way to measure it. To mm-hmm. just be like, what's the tonnage left behind? Yeah. Especially when Marcus Samuelson's blowing up the astronaut spot for, like, licking his plate clean. (laughs) My guy over here! My guy over here! Dude, my guy's hungry! (laughs) He's hungry! Get this man on the plate! over here at NASA! That was very fun. I liked it a lot. I was actually really hoping that Ashley would get eliminated, even though I love her so far. I just think the the opportunity 
for her to be eliminated and then go to Last Chance Kitchen and come back the next day a second time. To fight against Sarah again. The idea of her vanquish, and I was rooting for Sarah. I'm a big Sarah fan, but just the, the beauty of if you're, if you're on the regular show, you're on the, on the show, Ashley goes home and is back the next day. And then like six weeks later, Ashley gets eliminated and is back the next day. And you're like, we, what is with this lady? I think that would just been very funny. I would have loved, I mean, I wouldn't have loved this, but the, the shot of Sarah seeing Ashley come in, knowing that this is going to be the, the one to get back again and seeing Ashley again and Sarah just being like, you know, like, go fuck yourself. I also, yeah, the rematch would have also been fun. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hard um, to beat the same team twice you know yeah exactly uh, and it, it, it's sort of like i was rooting for nick to get the money because the plot was fun like mm-hmm. actually getting eliminated today would have been a fun plot uh would have been good twists but yes um instead it is jay who goes home any other um thoughts on the elimination because we have a lot of quick fire or a lot of uh, last chance to talk about oh man so I'm many gay. last chances let's do it all right, so uh, in a confusing two-parter, uh, Last Chance Kitchen. First, because Jay went home for textural issues, she and Sarah have to cook a dish with the three C's, creamy, chewy, and crunchy. Probably could have thought of more as I'm sure if I said the nine C's, you would have gotten there. Um, but yeah. these are Tom's three. Um, but this time, they have to make six plates, question mark, for a panel of culinary experts, question mark, which Tom is so vague about. Sure. It can only be the remaining chefs. Um, well, Megan, no. Okay. Megan Tiny and I were that very immediately. Okay. Tiny and I were sure it was going to be children. We were like, too. We were absolutely <laughs> so sure. Sarah. Yeah. Sarah was like, this better not be children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is a, that is a fair guess. But the number was there's five remaining chefs. As soon as they said it, Megan was like, I bet it's the remaining chefs. This is what it's like watching. Uh, we also watched Death on the Nile, and she was like, "Oh, I know who it is." There's cer- certain things you just take the mystery it's out. It's gonna of. be children. <laughs> Having to be, <laughs> it's gonna be five children. It always is. Um, anyway, uh, Sarah makes a savory donut uh, and cream out of squash and chev with a chewy raisin relish, while Jay makes a shrimp oil and andouille, which reminds us that we have not seen as much New Orleans from her as we could have um, mm-hmm. this season. Um, uh, they. Then uh, they are kicked out of the kitchen and the experts, uh, the remaining chefs or five children dressed as the remaining chefs, taste the dishes and pick a color coded note card for the one they like. And the chefs come back and then they explain the dish to people who have already eaten and already voted. So all the chefs who voted are feeling kind of awkward about not having picked these without knowing what they were and who cooked them. And then. Tom announces that it's up to them who wins, but the win doesn't actually matter because all you get is an advantage based on how much you win, where you get 30 minutes plus three minutes for every vote you got during the first half. Um, and, and, and if that sounds too confusing, it is. <laughs> it's too much. Why is this happening to us? I don't know. Eh, it's not great. And also, like, the whole, like, the vote equals time felt very monkey's paw. Like, and especially how they edited it. Oh, they were yeah. definitely trying oh, to yeah. set it up that way. But it's like, okay, cool. So you have 15 extra minutes. You're expected to use it. And then instead, yeah. Jay just got to, uh, like, they should have started cooking at the same time. And Jay had to serve 15 oh, minutes earlier. So totally. Right. Yeah, she got Although extra better, 15 thinking better minutes. food would have had to sit, but... Or they'd have tasted them 15 minutes apart. Either way, or yeah, either way, she's got the 15 extra thinking minutes. Yeah. You just can't do it. I would rather have she 15 have thinking frozen. minutes. Than she should have been frozen in carbonite for 15 minutes and then unfrozen immediately in time to cook. <laughs> or you just give her like, I don't know, uh, like, a, like a quarter and like Pac-Man basically for 15 minutes, right? So she can't, you know, she's occupied. Right. She can't. <laughs> 
And if she, or yeah, just so like a very simple puzzle. But if she ever stops, then like she falls from a great height. Something just to oh, keep man. her distracted. Or like, yeah, she has to. She, all right, we've been watching all of like Formula One Drive to Survive, and like one of the things <laughs> that they train for before the race is they have these like buttons on the wall, and they have to press the color when it changes. Color. Oh yeah, those are great. She has to like oh, pressing the colors and like looking yes. at that, and can't like just yeah. She has to do that really super fast, or or like she just playing what is that game, Simon? Yeah, it's oh, basically yeah, yeah. playing Simon. They're yeah. playing yeah. giant wall Bop Simon. <laughs> She's got to play Bop It for 15 minutes and then she gets to come cook. In any case, you're totally right. And in Top Chef, historically, an advantage is almost always a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Like, cl- this is a monkey's paw heavy kind of vibe. And then to add to that, Sarah is exhausted. <laughs> She's beaten down. She's just won her seventh challenge in a row. So getting a little bit of extra time, but knowing that she could have won seven challenges... She sweeps this seventh challenge. Like after all of this cooking, Jay gets eliminated and she sweeps her five votes to nothing that she could just lose on the next dish. And none of that would have mattered at all mm-hmm. is brutal. Mm-hmm. And every interview, every cutscene we see with Sarah, I don't know if they just like just showed her a picture of a dog crying right before that, but she was so bummed in all of the interviews that it seemed a foregone conclusion that she had lost to me. It seemed like, they were just 100%. I was like, I had written all of these like Justice for Sarah screeds that I was going to read at this point. Um, and you don't have it to. It was so sad. I don't have to. Because it turns out her ricotta gnocchi, um, despite using some wet-ass ricotta, is incredible. And Tom, who makes r- gnocchi every day, has never had anything like it. And um, Tom and, and Chef Show to pick her over Jay's delicious but minimalist snapper. Sarah wins her eighth straight LCK tying the last chance kitchen record with Luis Maldonado from season 11. Um, What? No, it was just, it was great. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, Also, do you guys remember Luis Maldonado from season 11? His incredible last chance kitchen run? I I run. Yeah. (laughs) I knew Big Siege got six and I still thought of that as being an incredible run. But yeah, apparently Luis got eight and I just totally blanked on it. Um, Maybe he didn't get back at the end and that's why? I don't remember, but... yeah. That part is factually factually accurate. So she got she tied for eight, which is, I guess you could have done more. You could have won all the last chance kitchens and then been runner up in the first going back and then gotten back into last chance kitchen and run the table. But this is like she ran this entire I, second half of this. It feels plus like the this ones is more before. impressive because I do not crazy remember impressive. To be fair, yeah, I, this is I crazy do, impressive. I, I I I think Sarah, yeah, totally agreed that. She's the most impressive, for sure. And and I do think it's also, like, Buddha was the only one who was suitably impressed, because we know that he's watched the show obsessively. Mm-hmm. But he was the only one who walked into Last Chance Kitchen and was like, oh, my God, Sarah. Everyone else was like, her? Oh, Sarah. Um, but he was the only one who seemed to realize immediately the magnitude of what must be happening if they're seeing Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. I love that about Buddha. Although, did you guys notice that every chef, when they discovered that they had actually voted for Sarah, was extremely disappointed? They all looked, yeah. they all looked they, embarrassed. And it, it makes knew. sense because they've been hanging out with Jay for an extra month. They haven't seen Sarah forever. And they've been with Jay every day for that whole time. Well, and all of them also said, like, I'm pretty sure I know this dish is Jay's because it's Andouille sausage. So they felt bad because they knew they were voting. I think they felt bad because they were voting against Jay and had to reveal it to her face more than yeah, but, being embarrassed but they also, voting for Sarah. I think it was like yeah. they weren't sure. There was that one two camera where they were like, I think maybe the you know squash donut is Joe. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, they had no Joe. idea who it was against Jay. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it was a, I mean, the whole setup with them voting and then having to reveal them that it was all weird. Yeah. It was, I it, felt like that whole, the staging of all that just didn't make a ton of sense. Well, I think part of it is the elves trying to mix things up, not doing things again after like the kind of perfect result in all stars when it was like, all right, Kevin, now, if you want to get back, you have to cook against the remaining chefs right. and they ha- they either like kick you out or you beat them to get back in and they just have to come up with like a new boss level thing. And this wasn't a good enough boss. No, this is a bad boss level to be the same person who you just defeated soundly, but now you have an advantage over her. I mean, that feels like a weird final boss. When I mean, is- it could have gone the other way. Right, and that would have yeah. felt like injustice. So either way, it's a kind of a disappointing outcome. I wonder if uh, my suggestion for like next season's Last Chance Kitchen is I think it should they should do like uh, a a Tom versus whoever's left, and like if they have like the final one, if like the challenge is like they have to do something against Tom, and maybe not beat Tom or do something. What if you do? What if you did like a three? You do three dishes against Tom head-to-head three dishes and if you beat him once you get to come back on the show mm. yeah he's got to win all three to keep you out yeah or i, I, I don't know, I don't know. I he has a horse in the game which is weird so yeah, that's just, true it is weird to have yeah just something where like you've been you've grown close to tom he's been your mentor you're like getting on his good side and he's like all right well now you've got to beat me if you want to get back into the, the student has to become the master oh, yeah oh well, I, know, I, mean, I mean if you oh how about this how about this if you win one of the three you get back on the show Mm-hmm. If he wins three of the three, you're eliminated. If you win all three, you're now the head judge of Top Chef. Yeah, yeah, Tom you're now the, the contestant. And he's now back on the show. Yeah, you switch places. <laughs> um, I think here's, here's what I think is fair. It's actually like a um, kind of a newlyweds game of like, how well do you know? Because I think that's what Sarah said was that I care the most about what Tom thinks of me. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually just right. a more of a judgment of just question and answer. Um, no, no cooking involved. Oh, interesting. You do like a you do like just a series of oral interviews. Yeah, it's like just what's Tom's favorite kind of exams. bits? And you have to say crispy. So like <laughs> he loves crispy bits. Um what are his favorite jokes? Dad jokes. What's his favorite gnocchi? Well Dad Gnocchi. His <laughs> probably Dad Gnocchi. Um yeah, I mean I yeah, I have enjoyed Sarah so much through all of this. I was obviously once we found out if, if it was against Ashley, I would be delighted either way because either yeah. Ashley yo-yos twice and it's hilarious or Sarah wins and it's mm-hmm. justice. Um, but against Jay, it felt like less stakes for that. It was mostly just like, I want her to win really badly because she just won already yeah. and she shouldn't have to do it twice. Uh, um, and, I, and I will follow up. My bold prediction last week is that Sarah would be winning last chance kitchen and going to a second location. Hello. Galveston. Oh, those are both true. They're getting wow. good. Beautiful Galveston, Texas next week. Storm capital what a, USA. <laughs> what an adventure they're going on. Um, but that's true. Excellent work, Kyle. Um, we never check in on bold predictions. So I guess that makes we're one for one. Thank you. Yeah. We're, <laughs> Great we're undefeated yeah. this season. Um, I did think that a couple of other little things about this. I did notice that when the current chefs were working as stoolies, they were not as good as the last chance kitchen stoolies normally are. Like they just didn't have the practice sitting on the stool. They didn't know what to say. They asked weird questions. I think they remote, they yelled weird compliments all the time. I think Buddha fell off his stool at some point. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, very like, it's like when you and some friends have been like, you know, watching this show for like, you know, like multiple seasons and then you invite some other friends over for like the series finale. Uh, and they're, they're asking questions. Like, so wait, so who is that? Like what's the smoke about? And yeah, it's, it's, it's not right. The right vibe. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, our restaurant correspondent Jordan said um, LCK was somehow overly convoluted and yes, yet the best thing ever question mark. Maybe it's just because Sarah and Jay interviews were amazing. 
um, and made me want to bring Seymour back into all of this. I do think the perfect judge at the end of this would have been as uh, as much as I like seeing Shota. Why couldn't they get one of the people who had had an amazing run on Last Chance Kitchen, um, including Seymour, who did an amazing job, but all, Siege and and apparently Luis uh, would have all been great. Um, uh, Jordan also said it's really cool to see the eliminated chefs and active chefs hanging out together again, yeah. um, which I think is super fun. Uh, speaking of Shota, I it was really great to see him, and I loved how just like soft spoken he was. Like his went up was like. Hey guys, um, make sure you get yeah. all of your components together. Uh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And whatever your first idea is, that's your only idea. You're out of time. Yeah, I that's still just, have. Yeah, he was he was very nice. Okay, bye. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, the other th- the last thing is that the stoolies also seemed a little critical overall for a while. Um, the stoolies seemed frequently critical of uh, uh, Sarah for doing dishes she does in her restaurant all the time. And we've talked about this a few times on the show because sometimes they're critical of each other on that. But I don't know how you guys are still feeling about it. But I generally feel 100% totally fine with you doing that. You were hired because you're good at a thing. And it's weird to say never do that thing you're good at. Right? Yeah. I mean, if look, if this was like a comic thing, you can use probably an existing joke. And you definitely can use existing English words you know. I don't think you have to invent everything from scratch. <laughs> the fact that she has a dish in her repertoire for like every challenge that somehow exactly. fits it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That's the interesting thing to me is how like she's been able to also do the challenges too. Like yes. she is also like going to the cha- the briefs and things that Tom's setting up for her. And I, 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 I bet she's, she's got to be doing some things to change the dishes too. She has like the general concepts yeah. of things that taste well together, but she's got to be doing spins like, all right, I'm going to use these dried fruit on this tempura squash right, they need to add the chewy yeah yeah i, I yeah she's I, like i get these three c's i've got a dish that has two c's that i really like what's a third c that would meld well with this and then yeah. she nails that that's amazing it would be fair to criticize if somebody came into this competition and they were like regardless of the challenge he's just making the dishes from his restaurant in order like that would be yeah. bad and you're like well they're very good but this is you couldn't send this to space you know uh but the fact that they all work really well in the challenges and the last one was like, she was told to make literally anything. Yeah, make something you like. I don't know. Totally I thought that, that that's an unfair criticism that happened. Yeah. Well, and All also right. like Be- making, uh, she she made gnocchi. She made, she'd made gnocchi well. Because like, I, I, I don't know why it was this week that I was really struck by it. But like, imagine making dinner for yourself in 45 minutes. Like it takes us a solid <laughs> Same thing. 90 minutes when to I was make watching this week. Yeah. yeah. To, to make a dish that's for just me and Sarah. And it's like five ingredients. We have the recipe in front of me. It still takes like 90 minutes because it takes me 45 minutes to cut broccoli. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I make the same thing every Monday and it still takes me 45 minutes and it's not a hard thing. Yeah. Wait, what is it? Spaghetti. <laughs> wow. Well, sometimes it's bucatini or cascatelli, but like, wow. I don't know. I fry the tofu really nicely. I got to cut the broccoli. I got yeah. some pieces. It's really good. It's pretty good. But it, yeah. I've been doing the same thing every year for like 10 years. And it definitely like 40. If, I, if they were like 45 minutes on the clock, you're like, I might not make this. Yeah. I got to make sure I do everything as efficiently as I've ever done it. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How salty is your water? Well, uh, very extremely, but uh, like like seawater, like it's supposed to be. How many cowpokes salty is, is your water? <laughs> like the sweat <laughs> dri- dripping from how many cowpokes okay. fills okay. your water um, to, to season your tofu My water is with. so salty, 
it's like as salty as cows are belty. So wow. it's all salt. It's more salt than it's water. Salt. It's more salt than water. That is one thing that they get that we don't talk about very often is that they have boiling water when they start every week. They don't have to boil water on the show. So we even saw, I think we saw today, there was like a I huge. Didn't know that. Oh, yeah, there's huge. That we saw on, on, I think it was on Last Chance Kitchen, where there's a huge pot of boiling water. And we saw somebody, as soon as they said go, like ladle boiling water into a different pan and start something else. So oh. the same, this is the same thing on like on Tournament of Champions. All, all, I, it's probably not true on a full cook where you have four hours, but maybe even it, it, it even is for that. But on Last Chance, they always have pots of boiling water just sitting there on the stove. I had never realized that, and that makes so much sense. It does, and that would also make my spaghetti go so much faster if I showed up and the water was already boiling. Oh yeah. And are the ovens? Do you think the ovens are preheated? Are, like preheated. The, the food ruiners? That's very possible. They gotta have it up to like at all. Two fifty, three hundred, or something. So it's yeah, not like something. Right, yeah. like a, a base level. Yeah, that would not base surprise me at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the. Uh, all right, so we have uh, that was Jordan's email was our only entry into the mailbag this week, so no mailbag song, very Whoa. little correspondence. We're at that part. Oh, I, I, um, I got, I guess, like a, I don't know, offline, uh, I guess, mailbag, um, from your bag, like an actual letter. No, just talking, uh-huh. <laughs> just words. <laughs> well, okay. I, I, um, this really is definitely not the easiest way to describe this, Ezra. You know what? Yeah, I, Sometimes look, I, as a dad, you start talking. I craft my language, you know, from scratch every time <laughs> using no ideas I've had before. I've never right? said these sentences never before. Tested. I feel like I should get rewarded for that. Um, All right. No, no so I think my my um, uh, I think I learned something interesting about my mom in that I, I think she found I think the the energy that uh, Sarah on Last Chance Kitchen was giving out I think was too negative her, for her, and I think I, I had greater insight into my mom and just like really wanting like a lot of positivity i think and that's i, I think my my, re- my read was that like i think she grew up where it's like i think it's delightful basically uh, you know for, for for me i think uh most people in our household were digging it caleb maybe less so uh but but i think that it's like kind of depends um how negative were the people uh that you were growing up with i think was maybe like the the, hmm. the thing because i think that was like i think my mom like was used to i think a lot of that like sort of like i don't know maybe some bummer energy i guess in her household growing up and i think she's like no i don't i don't need that huh yeah i don't know it's interesting. i'm trying to think of what i think of her as i mean there is this a sort of negativity that just cracks me up where it's like yeah. tom's like coming up next and then someone goes what fresh hell is this like that is i guess technically negativity but it's also like so honest about how people are probably feeling that i think it just cracks me up but it's that's a, that is really interesting it's a relatable level level of pessimism but not yes. necessarily cynicism which i think is i'd be put off if she was like cynical like oh tom's gonna s- set me up to fail tom's my Wait, enemy. none of this is for yeah none of this matters we're not going anywhere but instead she's like my goal here is to be friends with tom and it's working like that's the kind of um, <laughs> pessimism she has and i really like that Sort of like she's no. like I'm in a situation designed to inflict pain upon me, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to embrace that pain and not say that it doesn't hurt. But this is my life. This is the hand I've been yeah. dealt. How do you think Sarah's going to adjust to being back on the show now? Because she's been gone for a long time, mm. and there is definitely like an interpersonal thing where the other five chefs have been, you know, trauma bonded for a long time, and she's been in her own little world. Um, also, um, she's been cooking 30 minute, two plates for a long time and not these, you know, hundred plate catering challenges or whatever else. I think, How do you I think, think she'll adapt? The chaos of the challenge they teased on the te- on the trailer 
makes me think she might be able to do well. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that she's such a dirty cook is going to be like an asset in this home cooking challenge. I mean, messy like, and disorganized. Yeah, not messy. Her, dirty is kind yeah. of a weird Sorry, word here. Yeah, but yeah, disorganized, you, messy. Her, her, her messy dirty, knees dirty is going to be like a stealth benefit because everyone's got to deal with her. It's true. In that home kitchen. I, that's so true. And I, I, I find her messiness, would it would stress me out so much in real life. But on Last Dance Kitchen, I think it's hilarious. In a home cook or in a home kitchen with five other people, it might actually start to stress me out again. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's yeah, that's a good point. I do like that they've been for the last few seasons involving the current chefs in Last Chance Kitchen more because I think it gives them more sort of like perspective. Yeah, for this person like coming back on the show and that's like, such a good point. What they've they've had to go through to to get there. If they just went to this house and Sarah was there and they hadn't seen her in a month, it would be wild. So this definitely helps with that. Like sort of like when you put a goldfish in a bag and you put the bag in the tank, it's like they gave it that little bit of adjusting temperatures before they threw her back into the show. Um, Yeah. I just, I I think the biggest thing for me is just the social aspect because Sarah already is, you know, kind of an awkward introverted person Mm -hmm. who has sort of been forged by this, this particular fire as opposed to the, the other fire. I, I see her cooking with a chip on her shoulder and mm-hmm. and sort of against everybody else and seeing them as sort of a unit. I I don't know if that's going to help her or hurt her though. That's that's my my big question. I also could see her in a situation where she's um she's more cooking like from her menu and her heart like she because it did feel like she was never found her footing in the original show and she True. did find it in Last Chance Kitchen so maybe she's going to come back and well, be like it's the I right know what I'm doing now. Show? What? I was just going to say, it's the right time in the show it would to come be, back sure. and be cooking your food. So I'm sorry to cut you off. I think, I mean, no, you know, you're great. I, I think this is like, anytime somebody comes back from Last Chance Kitchen and they don't go home the next day, huge accomplishment. I Like yeah. Ashley sticking around this long is incredible. Um, obviously, the people who have come back and won are incredible. But just like, it's so different. And, you know, you've been eliminated once. And so also, we're all kind of like, accustomed to you getting eliminated so it's easier emotionally anytime you get promoted back into the main game and you don't get relegated immediately the next week i like it yeah uh before we go one last thing we got to do you can also have a bold predictions if you want as a bonus thing but we still have to talk about how many cow pokes were in your posse this week from zero to five cow pokes um how many were in your posse this week so we had a houston um farmer's market sponsored by a denver tex-mex place and then um we got uh but we got in the johnson space center i'm how do you guys feel i'm gonna say four and a half cow pokes just because same chipotle gave negative cow pokes yeah it was five and chipotle stole a half a cow poke and ran off like it could have been as uh houston as last week's episode but because it was marred with some spawn i just don't want to equate last week's really great houston episode with this one I think that's a, that's a very, very well said. I think that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. I, is this I guess year also more space is not technically than... in Texas as well. Uh, Sorry, say it again? Space is not he- technically in Texas, right? Like, a, um, you know, like uh, the International Space Station is not in Texas. And no, it's so that's, true. I don't know. You know I bet like it's it, when it's in geosynchronous orbit, there might be a time where it's in the column that is Houston that extends Houston airspace. off infinitely. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, it's not yeah. in geosynchronous orbit, though. Um, no, and geosynchronous would mean that it doesn't move over the column. It'd stay in one column forever. I'm pretty sure it's geosynchronous. 
Uh, <laughs> I hear a lot of good buzz about Junior Synchronous Orbit in this uh, space yeah. station. Also, <laughs> air rights for municipalities don't extend 100 miles up. But yeah, sure. Yeah. Wait, don't they? I thought I thought in the in America you owned the air rights all the way up. Is that not true? I, or you used I, I don't to think so airplanes? as far as land. Uh, mm. If uh, for private ownership, I know that's not true. Interesting. Um, for the sake see, of I know more about. I'm give, granting ownership to Houston infinitely. Fair oh, enough. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. As yep. long as they put a Chipotle billboard on some portion of it. Yeah. Pretty sure Marcus can broker that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, any last bold predictions before we go? Anything about Storm Central next week? Top Chef Hurricane? Uh, okay. So I, since I'm feeling hot uh, after last week's bold prediction, yeah. I think someone is going to be mid-cook in Galveston. There's going to be a lightning strike, and it's going to... Uh, hit the food and them and there's going to be some type of like flash superhero origin story where they're going to be like they're going to become extremely good at quick fires because of their ability to cook at a a speed that is unmatched by regular humans i would say they're gonna they're they're gonna like move at the speed of scallops or something yeah (laughs) something about like maybe they'll just get the power to make water boil faster than normal it could be something oh. really mundane too, but they're going to get well, a, a cooking superpower from being hit by lightning in the storm. This feels like an eighty to one upset. I feel like you're doing a Kentucky Derby prediction here. I think yeah, good you thing took you your, have immunity, Kyle. <laughs> you took, exactly, you took your immunity from your last win, and you were like, "I'm going to just do whatever I want today. I'm going to do hung making a garden for gnomes today. I'm really going crazy." You That's possible. Bold. That could all happen. I like the idea of a flash type origin story where you just become really quick at quick fires. But then Nick would still beat you if there's money on the line. Absolutely. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I, it's not a bold prediction. It's totally off topic, but it's Please. reality TV and potentially uh, related reality TV based, um, which is that uh, Tanya and I were watching The Great Party Throwdown the other the other week oh, the yeah. other day, which is a delightful show in the spirit of Top Chef in some yes. regards or, you know, in the spirit of Bake Off at the very least. Yeah, more in the Bake Off where there's no prize. Yeah, uh, true. Except you get a trophy. Um, but we realized that the phrase off the bat has nothing to do with baseball and it's everything to do with pottery that you take the pot off the bat, that wooden disc that it spins on, and that's like just, you know, hey, just right here without glazing, without uh, firing, here's, here's what's going on. Hey, that's super interesting. Anyway, sorry, that's unrelated. That's great. I mean, that's better than my cow fact. And also, this has been, a, this is what happens when we get lower mailbag. We talk more about stuff that's unrelated. So this is on you guys at home. This is a pun, you're punishing yourself. <laughs> you could have stopped us from doing this, and you didn't. <laughs> please write in please everyone we love to hear from you megan did you have um something you're about to say a second ago oh no i was just gonna say um we were talking about the met gala earlier and melissa king had amazing style at the met gala this year so Uh if you uh don't follow her on instagram you should uh follow her and and uh, read about her that's a good recommendation i think we had a nice time talking about whatever we wanted today and i'm glad everyone was able to come along on that journey with us um well, everyone who's listening at home. Um, so I guess it's time for us to put on our little belts and get out of here. Everybody, please send us your uh, feedback. Mailbag at packyourmics.com. Keep keep looking at birds and cooking for the sky. And we will talk to everybody next week. Thanks for hanging out, Kyle. Thank and you. say goodbye to Sarah for us. Yes, she is feeding on the other side of the room. 
um, in under 45 minutes, she was able to produce a meal. It's very impressive. Truly. And uh, uh, Sarah and Ezra, Sarah Classic and Ezra, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Oh, really quick. You were going to say, you were going to tell us you went to Monique's um, pastry shop in Vallejo, right? Yes. We did. We got a box of eclairs that were yes. very, very good. She does a I good I love good eclairs. They were flavored. There was uh, coconut, tiramisu, and strawberry. 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 Oh. Flavored shoe or just flavored cream? Oh, there was the, cream well, no, the shoe was normal shoe, cream, and then like a different kind of topping. That's great. Um, that does sound great. I was just really proud of myself for saying bless you after you said regular shoe. Oh. oh. It had a shoe. And then this. And then I said bless you. It's always a trap. If you want to talk about eclairs, I'm going to try to get you to say a shoe. And then I'm going to say bless you. Tom That's would like it. Nice. Tom would like it. You were you really liked it. <laughs> I, was, like, <laughs> I was just I was so stoked that it worked. I didn't hear you because I was still talking, so I just saw yeah, you no. celebrating and was very confused. Was, yeah, you looked like the Numa Numa guy for a little while, just with your arms pumping really up and down. Happy. Anyway, sorry. As uh, you were also saying about the other, yeah, no, so good, normal uh, shoe. I would recommend. I think uh, probably going direct, like uh, instead of you know, having it delivered, because um, like we did uh, through Pastel, because I think um, it could have, if it had been fresh, would have been. Like like they yeah. have like picking up uh, would have been really good. I think also six eclairs is a lot to go through for with 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 two adults and two kids. So maybe a volunteer is tribute. I'll help. Yeah, I'd do it. I'll yeah. help. Yeah, okay. I could manage. Great. I feel like I could house six eclairs and and not slow down myself. I don't know why that sounds hard with kids. Uh, no, honestly, I think the problem was that we thought we would go through them too quickly and we were pacing ourselves, yeah, but we should not have that's been. Right. We we overpaced. Right, right. Yeah, you got to do it quickly before you notice. It's like you got to keep eating I, spicy I food fast so you, before you notice it's spicy. You got to do that with eclairs too. Just to follow before, it up with another eclair. Before you notice you're full of eclairs. Mm-hmm. I, w- I mean, yeah, I would be like toe to tip full of eclairs. I could just go straight down, they, stack them up like quarters. If they want me to eat more of them, they should actually tie them together kind of like a sausage link. You know? Sure, that'll work. Yeah, so you don't have a chance to stop. Yeah, that would be great. Keep going. Give me a- anyway, um, that's awesome. And thanks for being here, Chris. It's always great to talk to you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, still thinking about Eclair Sasha's links, and I don't love it. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's thanks, thanks to everyone who listened this far through this show, and we love you, and we'll be back next week. That sounds good. My oh, side goal always is how many times I can confuse Chris. with. <laughs> it's gotten easier as you've gotten less sleep recently. Um, <laughs> we'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye.